0: Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast in building businesses, increasing wealth, and achieving financial freedom. i like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest has been working in finance almost the last six decades. She actually shares her story of how she worked her way up in executive leadership in the early 1970s, which is very rare for a woman. That's an inspirational story. She then talks about her story thereafter of moving into her career as an author, which was quite a rocky road, but eventually led to her writing 28 best-selling books and she was even featured on Oprah. Now today she spends a lot of her time helping families as well as children become more knowledgeable with money to really set up those kids with a strong financial future. If you're looking for another episode that's really focused on money and kids, this is a good one. Please welcome Neil Godfrey. Neil, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Sean. Yes, thanks for joining me. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background?
1: Well, basically, I was one of the first female executives in banking in the United States in 1972 when Chase Manhattan Bank decided to take a big risk and hire a woman to become an executive. I rose through the ranks, became an executive. Oh, and Sean, this is interesting. Um, I was hired at the same rate the same amount of money as the men going through the training program. Again, 1972, it was $11,000 a year. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that was actually a good salary in those days. And after two weeks, the head of personnel called me into her office and said, you're a woman, you're taking the job of a man. We're going to reduce your salary to $6,500 a year. And- she informed me, you will never earn what the men are earning because you're taking their job. So she was true to her word. And I only highlight it because it's such a different time that we live in, which is great. Anyway, rose through the ranks and actually was lucky enough to put together in 1980, the largest merger in the history of the United States, which was the DuPont Conoco merger. First time we did billions. So it was kind of cool to be able to put together that deal. Um, And I actually reported into David Rockefeller because it was a secret deal that we were being able to fund. And then I left, I hit the glass ceiling, 1985, I left. I was a single mom of two kids and became president of the first woman's bank. And we needed a woman's bank because the Fair Credit Act had not been enacted until 1974. And that meant that women women could not get credit on their own name. I know it sounds goofy, but my first credit card at Chase Manhattan Bank had my then husband's name on it. He had no credit. He was a law student. I was the executive at Chase, but I wasn't allowed to have my own credit card. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. So anyway, I just highlight that stuff because we've, you know, we've come a long way. Not there yet, but we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I saw women at the first women's bank disempowered handling their own money. And that seemed crazy. I did research and it was because we were never taught anything about money as kids. So I went to look for books to teach my own little kids about money. And there were none. The topic of teaching kids about money did not exist in the 1980s. So after I had schlepped my kids to enough stores. My three-year-old daughter said to me, mommy, why don't you just write the books? And I was taken aback. I knew how to be a bank president and do big deals. I didn't know how to write a book. And she saw that look on my face and said, oh, you're afraid. So being the great mom I was, I uh, crouched, established eye contact with my three-year-old and said, no, I'm not afraid. But of course I was. I had no idea how to start a new topic, how to write a book whatever. So I figured it out, wrote a book called The Kids Money Book to empower children to take charge of their own financial life, to be financially independent and to work with their parents and schools to make sure that we were raising financially literate children. Went into Simon & Schuster, largest book publisher in the world and said, ta-da, we can educate kids all over the world. Their reaction was, there are no books to teach kids about money thanks for stopping by. It's not a topic of interest. So I was banished to the streets of New York, crying, holding my manuscript. And then it was, oh, come on, put your big girl panties on. They need proof of concept. So I opened up the first children's bank at FAO Schwartz, the toy store in New York, a real bank for kids in 1988. And Princess Diana flew over with the royal children to open up accounts at my little bank, which was pretty cool. I also opened up an institute for youth entrepreneurship up in Harlem to work with at-risk kids, bring them into the economy. Both were successful. Back to Simon & Schuster. Simon & Schuster said, okay, this is cute in terms of what you've done, but there still are no books to teach kids about money. We're not going to take a risk on a new topic. Back to the streets of New York, back in tears, and then the conversation with myself, again, put your big girl panties on. You knew, you know how to buy and sell companies. So I bought a publishing company. I bought a division of Macmillan under the proviso that obviously they would publish my first book. And I informed them at our first publishing meeting that I would fire everyone if they didn't publish my first book. So they made the miraculous decision of publishing my book, published it, We sold 50,000 copies. I sold the publishing company and went back to Simon & Schuster, who now would take me on as a property. And then the phone rang one day. My daughter picked it up. She was now 10 years old. And she said, Mommy, Oprah is on the phone. And I said, no, it's not Oprah. I have a friend who does Oprah impersonations. Give me the phone. So I was a jerk. I did Oprah to Oprah, Climb Every Mountain. I was singing. I was being a jerk. And my daughter held up a piece of paper that said, you can ruin your life, but don't ruin mine. It's Oprah. Cut it out. It was Oprah. I worked with Oprah for four and a half years. I did 13 shows. That book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And kind of the rest is history. So I continue my work today. I'm also... I just finished my 29th book um which kind of indicates I have no life and <laughs> created the first money curricula um I'm an executive in residence at Columbia Graduate School of Business yeah. um I've been on the board of UNICEF UN women I work with wounded veterans out of Syracuse University yada 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 and here we are Fair. So thrilled to be here with you
0: love the backstory that's fun. Um, So 20, now 29 books I saw, I was reading online 28 books, but 29 books on, is it really focused on finance for kids or has it kind of spread out a little bit?
1: No, it's morphed. Um, I combined ecology into some of my teachings and I have a program called the echo effect, the greening of money, because the saving of resources is the same behavior as saving money. And so if we combine, if you save energy, you also save money. So that mindset, and that comes with curricula, et cetera. I also have another program called Life, Inc., the Mm -hmm. ultimate career guide for young people. And the purpose of that is to engage young children in age 10 and above in thinking about their future. Because if you can see your future, there's a reason to stay in school and learn today. And- The latest book, I also have books empowering women to take charge of their financial life. And the latest book that will come out in July is called Get Off Your Assets. And it's designing um, a, a guide for women to design their gray divorce. Gray divorce is divorce over 50. That's the largest segment of that is growing in the divorce field. And women are actually initiating those divorces, and they need help navigating finances. So um, we can talk about that in July.
0: (laughs) That sounds good. All right. So let's talk about kids and money. Um, I have talked to other people on the show that really focus on that as well. It still seems like it's crazy. You started getting into this into the 1970s. And here we are, you know, 50 years later, going on 60. And Still not a large emphasis of educate like financial education for kids specifically like how to increase income, how to create more streams of income and how to use compound interest in your favor. That's what we're all about here at Ticker. Um, so could you talk about that a little bit, how it's not really evolved as much as you're making a dent, but it's not the whole industry is not moving as fast as you would expect it to.
1: There are a couple of reasons, Sean, for that. Um, Typically in the United States, our Puritan values were that polite people don't talk about money. There's still a hangover on that. And what that has affected is that the core standards in our country do not include financial literacy as a core standard that's going to be, you know, that the kids are going to learn and that they're going to be tested on. So when it's not part of core it's really difficult. Um, I did the first lobbying efforts and actually got the state of Ohio to agree to even teach. And this is back in the 80s. And it was like a novel approach. And the curricula that I had to create is what we call supplementary, meaning it can slip in during the school day if the teacher Wants it. Mm -hmm. I also went to after school programs because it was important to do it. So I've kind of gone under, over, and around the side. But until we as a country understand that unless you have a seat at the economic table and understand what you're saying in terms of compound interest and wealth building, you will not be part of the conversation. And I know that's harsh, but the fact of the matter is, unless we empower our youth, to build net worth, to do that, they're always going to be disempowered.
0: Right on. Okay. What I want to do is touch on that first book a little bit, and then let's touch on maybe the recent. So the first book, could you tell it, Could you, let's go deeper into it. This was the first one. You you had a hell of a time getting this out the door. Um, but what? let's go into that book a little bit.
1: The Kids Money book was written, and it's been redone and upgraded um, to the Ultimate, kids money book. Um, and basically I create cartoon characters, uh, called the Green Street kids. And the reason I did that is so that they, that young children would identify with these characters and we are connected, as you know, Sean, by our financial personality, meaning how we handle money, not our socioeconomic level. We're savers or spenders and we come to the world that way. So the characters were based upon financial personalities. And of course, if I'm going to write my own books, I have Penny Bright, today's savvy feline and entrepreneur, and she knows her fashion and her tax code. And then there's dollar bill buck. He wants to save his money. He gets his attention diverted. There's Anna Budget. She's a smart shopper, squirrel. Um, There's Hedge. She hedges her bets. And they're the Market Brothers, Bull and Bear. And they run the Blue Chip Deli in Green Street Common, which is where the characters live. And sometimes they cook muffins and buns, and sometimes they burn the buns, and they throw them out, and they call them junk buns. But anyway, so what I try to do is also demystify terms for people, because... You know, as soon as you know, you throw a term out, you know, a convertible subordinated venture, you lose your audience. So it's to demystify, make things very simple. And I teach earning, saving, spending and sharing. I start at age three and I take them all the way up and I teach them to invest. I teach them to make sure that part of what they're doing is first saving then investing. And charity is a very big tenet to this in terms of making sure that it's not just about yourself. I also teach the kids that to push off instant gratification and save for something larger. I make it simple. I make it engaging. And that's what my books do. So I teach the parents at home, the kids at home, the kids at school, and the kids after school. And I try to engage corporations and not-for-profits who share my mission and financial advisors who want to make sure that they're bringing this information to their clients so that their next generation is also learning this stuff.
0: Right on. Um, we've got listeners in our audience that have kids that are can be teenagers, but there's a good majority that have kids that are pretty, pretty young. We're talking like you know, two to five, five to 10, somewhere in there. And what are some great takeaways you can give those parents right now? That
1: the only way to get money is to earn it. There's no entitlement program out there. It's just not hitting up mom, dad and grandma and grandpa. Can I have a 20? Can I have this? Can I have that? So what I do is I start the kids on a very simple work for pay system within the household. And kids at age three, If you ask them, what do mommy and daddy do with money in a store or a credit card? They will say they buy things. That's the time to start connecting how you get the money. I have them do very simple tours around the house. They earn their money and then they budget it. And they budget it very visibly. I know we're in the world of digital money, but I want you to start tactily so kids understand the connect between this is money It goes into the bank, then it becomes digital. And then they start to not confuse money with digital games where you're buying moons and stars and benefits, which is all digital and it's gaming and it's not real. So I want them to understand real. Then you move into digital. And in the budget, there's some instant gratification. I call it quick cash. They worked hard. They they get to make some decisions. And then there is the charity jar or envelope, which is 10% to give to charity. And then they pick a goal for medium-term savings. They push off instant gratification, save for a little bit, understand that you get better stuff if you save a little bit. And then there's long-term savings. And that is for the little ones saving And for the older ones, by age 10, they can start getting involved in investing in the stock market, obviously through parents. And you're know, you going to say, does a three-year-old understand long-term savings? No. Does a 10-year-old understand long-term savings? No. Do the adults in America understand the concept of long-term savings? No. You do that for a living. You know that. So I'm just forming a habit. A budget is a habit. And that's what I basically do within the household.
0: Gotcha. Is there a particular book on your list that speaks to some of the tactical strategies you spoke to just now?
1: Yeah, there are two that you could, that they could, there there are several, but Money Doesn't Mm -hmm. Grow on Trees is on Amazon and the basic tenants for little ones, school age, and then older teens and young adults. And also Be Money Smart in Tough Times which is um, my latest book that I did in COVID. And it's also got the same basic tenets and it brings in some of the digital aspects of this. So those two books um, are are there. Excellent. There's a are. bunch of others, but I mean, obviously.
0: Great, great. Yeah, we always start small with the the call to actions. People can get small. one book and then go to another. And yeah, go to another yeah. And
1: they that. can, you know, they can yeah. Google me and they can, you know, just go on Amazon sure. and
0: buy books. Oh, that's, that's great. Love what I'm hearing so far. Um, Do you talk about in your books at all about setting up like um a custodial account? I'll talk to my audience about that a little bit. Like the parent can work with the child, set up a custodial account. I'm just kind of helping out the audience here if they don't know already. But when the child turns 18, then they get that account. But under the age 18, it's kind of like the parent can manage it with the child.
1: Yes, the answer is yes. And it's important. And mm-hmm. if you raise the kids with the values and life skills that you want them to live in the real world with, then you don't have to be afraid of the fact that at 18, the money legally becomes theirs. And if they want to buy a Ferrari instead of going to college, they actually legally can. Um, it takes a lot to to step in, as you know, to to sure. change that paradigm. But, you know, the parents I work with, and I'm sure the ones that you work with, aren't worried about the Ferrari, no. they under, you know, the kids understand it can, as you know, if you think you're going to qualify for student aid, the money, because it's legally, the kids um, can count against them when they're filling out the the form, the financial aid form. So that's just something to think about. If you're going to be on the cusp of that, don't, but if you're above it, it doesn't matter.
0: Sure. Sure. Right on. Good advice. Um let's talk about this this app you created. I'm reading here uh, number one educational gaming app teaching kids about money. What's the name of this app? It's called Green Streets Schmutz
1: Happens. Now okay. what happened was however it I took it out of I took it down from Apple because they were charging me $50,000 a year to keep it alive. Um so I'm actually looking for a corporation who wants to license it and and we can you know, regenerate it. It's really fabulous. Um, It had an average playing time of over an hour for the kids. We did hit number one on Apple education. It's um, really teaches the kids the earning, saving, spending, and sharing and pushing off instant gratification to see how their money in the bank can actually earn interest. So it's really, it's really cool. But yeah, so I need somebody who's there to go, ta-da, want to work with
0: you. You know what's interesting is I just got off a call. Do you know Scott Donnell? He's, he created. He was just on the podcast a few weeks back and he created an app called Gravy Stack that it goes over like seven principles such as um, savings, investing, or I think it's savings, earning. I don't know. sorry, Scott, if you're listening to this, <laughs> but it talks about earning, savings, um, giving to charity, investing, and it sounds very similar and this app is out there it's it's kind of cartoony you know very appealing to kids and and parents can manage the activity on it and the you the, you'll like this and you probably you just talked about this a little bit is creating incentives for kids to earn money within the households and what he would do is talk about a little bit about how can, you can get rid of stuff like run a garage sale, like a pop-up garage sale and sell right. some stuff you haven't touched in three years and make a few hundred bucks, you know, little things like that. Right. Yeah. Now,
1: and that's all stuff, you know, that yeah. my work dating back to the eighties. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: So, yeah. So that's great. You know, I love when other people jump in mm-hmm. and do it, Um, do, you know, derivative work based upon my stuff. It's great. Yeah. You know? Sure. It's what I wanted to do.
0: I, I'll make a connection off the call. I think it'll be good for you two to talk. I, I'm i really passionate about this is getting ahead of it because I wish at like age 10, I would have knew how to invest where, <laughs> where I'd be. It'd be totally different. But um, it, yeah, like kids can get way ahead of it if you learn how to save and how to invest at a young age use the power of component interest. So this stuff is fun. Um, let's touch on what is your most recent book titled?
1: Um, be money smart in tough times. Okay. And it, you know, coming out of COVID and and having people really look at their own situation vis-a-vis their children and what what that means. And it's a book for parents and grandparents, and you know, it just came out last year and and obviously incredibly relevant to what's going on in in our world. And again, based upon the values that you want your kids to live by.
0: Yeah, awesome. Let's take a quick commercial break. Investing in the stock market. I'm sure the top questions that come to mind include, how risky is it, and can I actually make money? Everyday people like you or I, or otherwise known as retail investors, are flooding to the stock market because a friend told them, or maybe they saw something on YouTube, heard something on a podcast, or maybe read something on Reddit or Twitter. Really, the list goes on. There is one big problem that new investors face in most cases it can be hard to know the difference between a good stock and a bad stock and when they finally buy a stock they feel anxious hoping they don't lose money fortunately there's a solution that can help you reduce and even remove the anxiety and fear of investing i would like to introduce you to ticker a platform that makes investing easy for anyone especially beginners it literally does all the hard work for you It helps you find safe stocks, and more importantly, it steers you away from risky stocks. We do offer a free trial. Go ahead and visit ticker.com. That's T-Y-K-R dot com. Again, ticker.com. All right, back to the show. All right, well, before we jump to the rapid fire round, is there one key takeaway you can give a parent today?
1: Don't make money the biggest secret in the household. Talk to the kids. Show them a bill. Here's the electric bill. And- by the way, it is directly attached to your behavior. If you talk with the refrigerator open, which takes 30% of the electric bill, uh, you're, you're wasting money. So let's come up with energy-saving electric, just on the electric side, um, that we can do. And, you know, maybe we can reduce the, you know, the thermostat in the winter and raise it in the summer. Maybe we can, uh, you know, do other money-saving ideas, and hey, kids, teenagers, I'll split the saving with you. But you get them involved. You don't make it a secret. You don't go out to a restaurant and then hide the bill so they don't ever know how to calculate a tip. Get them involved. We have made money the biggest secret in the family. It's ridiculous. Money is the business part of our life. Share it with the kids. Or don't be surprised when they get their first credit card and blow it up going, well, obviously the credit card company thought I was good enough to do this or they wouldn't have given me the card. These kids don't have a clue. Show them how compound interest works in their favor and also to their detriment. Oops, this is what's going to happen. And just make it part of normal conversation. Same thing with the investing with them. Let them buy stocks they know when they're 10 years old. Don't do buying and selling. Do not create day traders. Correct. Buy, hold, and watch. And let them buy. I don't care if it's, you know, Disney or somebody that they know. Yes. And let them start researching. Wow. Who knew that they owned ESPN? Who knew, you know. And why did they buy all those other things? Because something could happen and people aren't going to go to the parks. Okay. This makes sense. Now you're involving the kids in the way business works.
0: Yeah. At a young age, that's critical. I love it. Cool. All right, Neil, let's jump to the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who you really are. If you can try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less. You ready? All right. What is your favorite podcast?
1: I really like the daily news. I I love that. I like boom. I want to know what's going on. So I'm not the big stupid when I, you know, when I leave the house.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend?
1: Oppenheimer. Loved it. Oh, my God. Read it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of the movie right away. Christopher Nolan this summer. All right. On that note, what's your favorite movie?
1: Yeah, I would go back on the, on the Oppenheimer, too. It was... You know, I knew some stuff, but it was pretty earth shattering in terms of how a person, a time in history, things could totally have been different. And also had the people in Germany who were working with Oppenheimer not sort of taken an oath to keep the bomb from Hitler, the world could have been very, very different. And that was touched on and brought out in the movie and the book that um, you know they kept the 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 that cadre of Jewish scientists kept it from Hitler and it was a freaking miracle that that happened because had he gotten the bomb I yeah
0: you're right could have been a very different story yeah, yeah. All right, a few business questions what is the worst advice you ever received?
1: Um, you're a woman, you can't be a banker.
0: <laughs> Prove that wrong. All right. Put that equation. What is the best advice you ever received?
1: Um, probably from my mother, which was no, is just a paradigm. It means they don't understand. And if you believe it, just keep, keep doing it. And
0: it, I love it. Yeah.
1: That's good it. advice. Who cares? Right. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Keep, keep moving forward. You'll find a way. All right, this is a fun one—the time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit, and what would you say?
1: Um, I think I, I've lived my life kind of doing and not being afraid, and and being thrown out there and doing it. So I think in terms of my younger self, I think um actually when I joined Chase Manhattan Bank and I heard the words investment banker and had no idea what they were, what that was and went and spoke to people who were, um, I somehow thought I wasn't, you know, in some way probably smart enough or good enough. And and I would say to that younger self, what? What?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you can figure this out. You got this. Yeah,
1: yeah, you got you got this yes. one. It doesn't matter that you didn't go to Harvard Business School. Right. In fact, right. you're smarter than they are. So just go do it.
0: Love it. All right. And where can the audience reach you?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm there's neilgotry.com is my website and they can post things and I love to hear from people and what's going on. And, you know, I'm sure they can do it through you and, you know, make sure that they're working with you to really learn to earn, save, spend, and share. We need to do this together. So I'm thrilled to be here. Thank
0: you. It's a team effort. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate what you're doing. Um, I'll get all the right links down below in the show notes. But again, thanks for joining me. This was great. Thank you. All right, Neil, we'll see ya. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts out there you could be listening to. So thanks for spending some time with me. And if you have a moment, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The more reviews we get, especially five-star reviews, the higher this podcast will rank in Apple. So thanks for doing that. And remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please do not buy or sell those stocks based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll see ya.